Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's only a kick, a jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. Brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to Bike Radar's Road Bike Tech Talks. You've possibly listened to our Mountain Bike Tech Talks. If you've listened to those, you're going to have a good idea what we're going to be discussing. Uh, It's technology, it's to do with bikes, and in this instance, it's to do with road bikes. I'm joined today by Matthew Allen from Bike Radar. He's Bike Radar's road bike expert. Is that fair to say, Matthew? I'd say that's pretty fair. And I'm also joined by Warren Rossiter. He is the senior technical editor for Road, and he's Cycling Plus and Bike Radar's road bike expert. So we've got two road bike experts. Good, um, good afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening, Warren. Hi. <laughs> Great intro by me. Um, Today, we are going to be uh, talking about one by for the road. What is one by for the road? Um, it sort of came about um, th- through a few experiments that were going on a couple of years back now, probably really headed up by Gerard Vrooman, you know, Mr. Exavello, now of 3T and Open. Um, his concept of the 3T Strada was an aerodynamic road bike that was solely built for a one-by drivetrain. His talking about the pro argument for a one-by is the simplicity of the system. You know, there's no complicated front mech, cable routing, etc. Um, you can improve the aerodynamics. But I want to take it back, Warren. I want to take it back, Warren or Matthew. What is one-by? You know, it, this, you know okay, I, I've yeah, just said sorry. it. What is one-by? There could be people listening going, I don't know what that means. What is a one-by road bike? What is one-by? It's effectively having a single chainring at the front. You know, just like it used to be in the sixties, seventies. But it's not. It's not single speed. It's not no, fixed. No. 
with it, with gears, yeah, any number of gears, whether that's you know, nine, gen, yeah. 10, 11, 12, right. of many you like. We got there in the end. That concludes one by four. It doesn't really, because <laughs> there is quite a lot to talk about, because it, it's it's relatively new, uh, and we'll probably double back now and sort of go back to um, to, to talking about Jared Vrooman, talking about uh, 3T. But actually, sort of, it, it didn't start on the road, did it? It's very much a mountain bike thing, really. Um, SRAM in particular was the major driver behind One by for mountain bikes because on a mountain bike, having a front derailleur isn't necessarily particularly advantageous because front shifting is tends to be more complicated and when you're off-road riding on bumpy terrain, particularly descending, having a chain potentially come off is much more of a problem and chain retention is a huge issue. It's always been an issue with mountain bikes. That's why they've always been all manner of chain retention devices like chain catchers, um, extra tensioners and stuff. Um, and I think the other element is that as mountain bike technology develops and you ended up with lots of more suspension systems, it's just really hard to fit a front mech. You know, yeah. Because you've got a series of com- you know complex things going on all around it. So it, it, it seemed like a natural thing to do to almost aid designers and engineers. And there's a further consideration, which is that mountain bikers tend to be less concerned about the size of jumps between gears because obviously a one-by system inherently has fewer gears than a two-by or a three-by. So if you've got, say, one chain ring at the front and an 11-speed cassette, you only get 11 gears. And if you want a full range of gears, particularly a full range of gears that lets you ride downhill at a sensible speed and also winch yourself up steep stuff, which is what mountain bikers do, there's going to be reasonably large gaps between those gears. But as we get more gears, those gaps get smaller. So mountain biking, it kind of makes sense to me. I'm not a mountain biker. Um, I, I didn't mean there that mountain biking kind of makes sense to me. What I meant was that one by a mountain bikes kind of makes sense to me. So we have heard from Warren earlier about Gerard Vrooman um, sort of trying to introduce it to the road and he thought that pro cyclists might like it and we, we'll talk about an experiment that, that occurred there. So let's go back to that. You know, so mountain bikers, it's gained in popularity. They like it, it seems. It seems to work for them. What made, if it was Gerard, what made someone think, you know what, we've had, we've had triples, we've had uh, doubles, Let's just go for one. Roadies don't need all of those gears. Well, it's going back full circle, isn't it? To the old ten-speed, you know, the old, you know, or or old six-speed, you know, bikes of the sixties and and seventies. It, it used to be that was that was the gear in your head because that was the gear in your head. But you know, it, it, guys like Vrooman and there have been other people that have looked into it as well. You know, White in the UK have been a big proponent of one by. Um, they're they're actually looking at kind of simple engineering solutions and i can understand Vrooman doing it because his background comes a lot from things like time trial where a time trial with actually having a, a two-by system at the front isn't necessarily that necessary most time trials are on fairly flat courses mm. so just having a good close ratio of gears works really well for it so you saw lots and lots of time trial riders that just adopted one by or, or even ran like fixed gear sets or even at like the extreme. Ran, yeah, 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 that's ran true. A fix to take it to an extreme, you know. So, so is it worth sort of explaining this idea um, again for for people who might, you know, maybe new to to cycling, maybe new to gears? I don't know if you can be new to gears, but this idea of, of big jumps, of small jumps. I mean, what do we mean by that when we're talking about jumps between gears, and and how does that either um, negatively or positively affect your riding, and then? How does that kind of transfer to the, what's the difference between a, a, a double and what's the difference between a, a single 
chainring at the front? Well, when you're riding hard, sort of proper road cycling, whether that's racing or riding in a chain gang or something, um, putting out a lot of power, you tend to want to stay within quite a narrow cadence range for efficiency. And you don't want to have a sudden big change in cadence, which would be caused by changing gear over a big jump. So essentially, closely spaced gears are always better than less closely spaced gears, all else being equal. Okay. So a double allows you to have those closely spaced gears? It does because you have lots of gears. However, the actual specific choice of double rings makes a big difference because nowadays what's called a compact crank is very popular. It's typically a 50 big ring and a 34 inner ring. And in fact, that is quite a big jump between those two rings. It's bigger than the old school doubles where people might have had like 52 and 42 or something. But that's a way of achieving a big range of gears. And if you're sticking just on one chain ring and clicking up and down the gears, which you would do in a typical like flat chain gang situation, then those individual jumps quite small because most people have at least 11 at the back now on their road bikes. So if I, I want to play the idiot here, it's not playing, but from a, from a road bike, from a cycling point of view, is it worth explaining stuff like gear inches nowadays? To, to, would that help this conversation or is that, should we just forget that and it, walk it's, away? I mean, it's still a perfectly valid method of comparison. Gear inches is just a way of expressing the size of a gear that's relatively intuitive. Um, there are some great calculators online. For example, I recommend Sheldon Brown's gear calculator. It's very easy to use. So you can plug into that what chain rings you have, what cassette you have, and that will spit out numbers in gear inches. And so a typical range for a road bike would be something like 35 gear inches at the bottom end, maybe 110, 120 at the top end. And that's the kind of range that people try and match when they're making a one-by setup to replace a two-by setup. But it's not just the range that matters because they have to be usable gears. You don't want your most useful gears to be when your chain is at a really awkward angle when you're in like the small ring at the front and almost your smallest cog at the back because that's really mechanically inefficient. Okay, and just me being an idiot one more time, the gear inches, the inch is is for one turn of your... It's, uh, it's it sort of, of like, it's like the rollout yeah. of that gear effectively um, and that's influenced by both the gearing and like your wheel size, the specific size of your tyres... Um, yeah, you can, yeah, it's quite you complicated. You can, draw, you can draw it down very yeah. Know, yeah. to ultimate specifics, but it just gives you a it's another podcast, a reasonable, right? <laughs> well, no, it just gives you a, a reasonable idea of how far you expect to travel from one revolution in a particular gear. Okay, yeah, and it produces numbers that are quite a nice sort of size because I know that um, some people think in like gear ratios, but you tend to get quite awkward numbers when you think in ratios, where it's like one point two, one point four, or something, and that's a much less intuitive way I personally find to compare gears. Whereas if I say like I know that I want a thirty-inch gear to get up that hill, I know what that means. Okay. So then let's come back to let's get the conversation back to one by because uh, I feel as though we may have uh, gone slightly off tangent. It, you know, I've 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 ridden triples when i first bought a road bike it had a triple because i thought all of those massive hills between twickenham and central london i would need a triple for i obviously thought i was also going to be doing you know, the tour de france eventually that didn't happen i was nearly 30 when i started that um and then i moved on to you know doubles because that's kind of it seems to be the way to go i've not really i've not really got into the 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 one by um, vibe yet. I'm not a one buyer. I don't know if that's even... I'm going to stop before I say something I'll regret. 
But why would I need or why should I ride a one by? What, what am I going to get out of that? Well, they're kind of pro one by argument. And I'm by no means a you know an advocate of, of one by systems for everything. But that kind of pro lobby is that when you look at a modern, you know, double two by system, um, if you take a you know, you take a standard two by eleven, fifty thirty-four, with like an eleven twenty-eight. There's probably eight duplicated gears between the two effective ratios. So, if you're carrying eight duplicated gears, the argument is, well, why don't you get rid of those? And then you've got a lighter system, a simpler system, and these are the the, the pros for it. Um, the downside is that you have to be extremely particular about getting your gear choice right for whatever you're going to be doing. So I would say a two by system, you have a much more, a, a, a much broader kind of topography you can ride with with your average. There's more leeway. Yeah, there's much more leeway in the in the system. With a, with a one by system, you've got to be, you've really got to know your gear inches or your ratios or whatever, and know what you're going to be doing, and then so you can actually you know pick and choose. It kind of goes back to like the the traditionally old school kind of British time trialist who would select his gearing for a particular course or track riders or choose a, a chain ring and you know a chain ring and fixed gear combo at the back for for whatever event they were going to do you know you, it's almost like one by is supposed to be simple mm. but you actually need to be it, it sounds complicated it to, actually, particularly to, to yeah. someone like myself who's um a te- you know an awful mechanic and that the idea of picking all of that stuff scares me and i wouldn't know where to start so yeah who is it aimed at you know who who because it's uh, as far as I can work out when it sort of started, it came through. It was mainly sort of gravel. I don't know what I've done. Um, parenthesis in the air, air quotes for well, for I those think watching in black and white. There for the less performance oriented cyclist who's also maybe not that interested in the finer technical details. A super wide range one by setup will probably work quite well for the road anyway because they are likely to be less bothered about those gear jumps. And now with like. 12-speed or even 11-speed systems and big cassettes that go up to like 40-tooth or 42-tooth, you can quite easily get enough range for just general riding. It might be the extreme case of like pulling panniers up a hill or racing down a hill at 50 miles an hour. You might find you didn't have quite the gears for that. But basically like the general purpose riding, you would actually be covered. It gets more technical if you start thinking about performance and that's why... We were going to talk about the sort of the experiment mm. that didn't go very well. Was um, Gerard Vrooman, his company 3T, released the Strada, which was a one by aero road bike, which looked amazing, super sleek, super aerodynamic. And they outfitted an actual pro team, Team Aqua Blue Sport, and they raced, I think, just under one season or mm. basically one season. And it, it didn't go, go very yeah. well. There, there was quite a lot of bad feeling from riders it seemed because they mm. simply weren't very happy to be on one bike because they felt that they were being hampered by it um, but I also think there's an element on that on I don't think that team was funded as well as it should be well no they, yeah, and I, don't, whole I don't think the R&D had been put in place you know yeah. if you did have a one bike system but you had a full you know mechanical backup and and almost like an F1 style pit crew working out strategy yeah. for races and going well this is the gearing you're going to need to do today this is the system we this is the setup you'll need for you to get the optimum out of it you had somebody making those changes whereas it seems from you know rumor and and from talking to people post that that none of that backup was there right. it was like here's your bike go and race yeah it was a nice idea because they it was going to be a vehicle for sort of this is the future of tech and pro cycling but it 
probably could have been done better. On the other hand, pro cyclists are very, very conservative about yeah. equipment choices yeah, yeah, and yeah, anything yeah. that could I mean, slightly yeah, impact their performance, yeah. I mean, they're not going to like. You know, when when the Strada thing happened, um, I managed to borrow a, a Strada to test from from 3T, and I, I I mean I took it to I rode it a lot extensively in the UK, and I took it to Australia for a couple of months when I was out there on a break seeing family, and you know I did some proper big riding out in Queensland, you know, lots of stuff around where the Commonwealth Games was, some real big serious road climbs in high heat. And the system I had there was, um, it was an 11 speed, it was a 52 chain ring, and on the back I had an 1136 because at that point 3T didn't have a wheel in their range that could take the XDR driver, mm. so you could get the bigger cassette, the mountain bike style cassette. The biggest road cassette you could get was an 1136. So I had a 5036. That gave me like a, a top a top end gear, fifty eleven, pretty much what you'd expect. Gives you like one hundred twenty one, one hundred twenty two inch, like like top high speed gear, which is the same as you get on a normal compact. Um, and then at the top end, I had a like a thirty seven inch, which is a bit harder than what you get on a normal compact. But everywhere I rode and every climb I did, it managed. It was mm. fine, you know, and. To bring it down to like actual big the, the jumps, yeah, the jumps at the top end of the cassette are are big and you do feel it, but the core element, you know, around that sort of 15, 16, 17, there are one two jumps there. So you get that kind of where you spend your gear, you know, spend your time the most, the gears are pretty much exactly the same as what you get on a normal bike. It's only when you get into the big, steep, hard climbs. Now I think if you're a pro rider who rides with like, you know, what we call it, suplesse or whatever, and you're you're you've got beautiful cadence and you've got a great you know, power to weight. Those big jumps are going to knock you off your stride. Mm. If you're a much more average guy on the street, as I very much am. Same. I was going to say, but Matthew, you know, as someone with suplesse, have you have you done much riding on? on you know, on ride, riding those climbs on that gear, and it was it was just fine. You know. I yeah, was, I, I've also ridden yeah. a Strada. I rode one at the Eurobike demo days a mm. couple of years ago, and I I loved it. I thought it was a really nice bike, and I I think there is something to be said just for that simplicity. Um, also, it's worth mentioning that I think subsequent to the bike coming out, 3T came out with its own cassette, didn't they? Yes. Which yeah. grouped the gears differently, yeah. so you did yeah. get much more closely well, they gave you, jump. Yeah, they gave, they you, gave you, you almost cassette options. It was like, yeah. here's, here's your fast flat gear, here's mm. your hill gears. And they just weighted those gaps. But does but, that mean that, you, you know, if you've got that sort of option, is it if you, if you are a, 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 a dedicated one-by user... Do you have to sort of have a, a you know, you've got to have a, a selection of cassettes hanging up on your cassette so. rack? I think it would be to do with riding style and mm. the terrain that you normally ride. I mean, you could you could change cassettes on like yeah. a weekly basis if you want to, but I can't imagine that most people would feel the need to do that. You've got to have a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> but so um, we've said it's come from mountain biking and um, I guess... I've, I've sort of, I suppose, rather disingenuously, I think I've sort of said, "Oh yeah, you know, the first time we saw it, it was really on gravel bikes." But actually, cyclocross it was cyclocross seems to be it, where yeah. it, it. Yeah, well, it really there was off. a really good argument similar to mountain biking for cyclocross because they get their bikes covered in mud. Front derailleurs tend to jam; they break, they fall off. So having a simpler system on a cyclocross bike makes a huge amount of sense. Also, a lot of cross courses are reasonably flat or mm. even if they are hilly they may be running up some of the steep parts so they don't necessarily have and to you ride find, uh, you know it, prior to to any kind of dedicated one by system being available there were a lot of cross riders out there that that were making their own, making their own. Yeah. yeah there were people gutting shifters and stuff mm. because they wanted to not have the unnecessary weight of shifting bits but if you don't need like your left shifter for a front derailleur mm. take it off yeah and you're running a mountain bike style you know chain retainer 
on your cross bike. So. so it makes a load of sense for cyclocross. Does it make sense for gravel riding? Gravel riding is on trend. It's so hot right now. You know, uh, does it make sense for that? And why does it make sense for that? Because gravel riding, again, it's off-road, it's hilly. But also you might be doing some bike packing. You're loading the bike up. You're making your bike heavier. How, how could it work it's, there? It's a boring politician's answer, but I don't think there's one <laughs> right answer to that because – I think if you're doing really, really varied riding, a lot of people are buying gravel bikes to ride them on the road and then also take them off-road. But answer the question! And also <laughs> maybe doing a bit of touring, commuting and stuff. And if you want that like absolute maximum versatility, there is still definitely something to be said for a double setup. Because yeah, it, I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely it, it just gives that. you that flexibility mm. because you want that top end for the road. If you're, you know, if you're commuting and you have a big hill that you ride down on your commute, you don't want to be totally spun out on that. So you probably want a proper big ring, you know, like a 50 tooth or something. And then, but you're also, you know, you're riding with a heavy rucksack or something. Mm -hmm. You need the small gears to get up there and you need everything in between. So there is, there's definitely still an argument for two by. I'm not, I don't think two by is going anywhere for a long time on road and gravel bikes. So what is the best use for one by? I mean, who, who would benefit I think, I think the it just boils down to, to It boils down to just personal choice, really. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the gravel bike has embraced one by more than any other type of bike aside from cross. Well, you say the gravel bike. Is it not the gravel bike manufacturer is putting it on because they think having a one by on your gravel bike kind of makes it cool and it's sort of on, it is on trend? Is it, you know, because there's always the you know, argument. I mean, it also depends on what you define a gravel bike to be. And that's a much bigger yeah. argument. You know, is it is it pure gravel? How long is have it, we got? Is it a, is it a bike packing that's another bike? tech talk. I guess. Is it you but know? We've already done it, <laughs> but but you know there, there is an argument, and it's often and we it it happens particularly on the road side. I think more than mountain biking that you know we don't want we don't need disc brakes, we don't need suspension, we don't need one by. So is could it be argued? And playing devil's advocate because I don't necessarily believe this, but you know this is just something invented by. Uh, a brand that maybe wanted to make a, a, a real mark for itself and 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 actually you don't really need it. Could there be an argument for that? I think that's really tricky. And also like going from two by to one by, the one by is the absence of two by. It's not it's not like mm. the disc brake argument where it's like, oh we don't need this, it adds extra weight, but then you're balancing that against the much better braking. So two by to one by, it's it's a very different set of variables. Yeah. I mean, like I mean, I I I was with SRAM when they when they launched one by for the road, as it were, and I basically asked about you know why did you do it? Is it just because you had this technology existing on mountain bikes? And their kind of response was that it was almost a reaction to people that were coming to them. It was almost a reaction to what was going on in cross, in time trial, in like crit racing where people were saying, I don't need it. I never use it, so I'm taking it off. You know, that happened in cross. That happened in, you know, in inner city crit racing, which is effectively very flat. You don't need that two-by system. You get the simplicity. You lose the weight. So they were almost reacting to what they were what they were seeing was happening, you know, at a grassroots level mm. and sort of said, well, yeah, we do have this tech. We can make it better. We can put a, you know, we can put a clutch mech and have chain retention on it. You know, going back to... to so what, like, explain the clutch mech as well. For, you know, we've, we've, I've made you explain some quite basic stuff. Explain the clutch mech to me, Matthew. What uh, is it? It's what essentially it a way of um, improving chain retention, meaning that the derailleur, the cage doesn't, 
go forward too much and detension, which lets the chain come off. When does that detensioning happen? So when you're when when you're going through the gears and when you're bouncing over bumps at the same time. If you think about when you ride your you know ride your normal two by road bike on across a like a cobbled street and you'll hear the chain slapping, you know, it's slapping the chain states bouncing around. Effectively, the clutch mech takes away that. It stops that from happening. If, it, if you go back to the Tour de France, David Miller in the Tour de France, where he went one by on his time trial bike and dropped the chain on a roundabout and effectively ended his chances. If he'd have had a clutch mech on that bike or the one by system, that would never have happened. Right. So... It- it does that. It, yeah. I it mean, would, David were, Miller I'm, would have won the Tour de France. And clutches Wait, are now found trial. on, you know, SRAM was the one, first one, I think, to put them on a, what, a road Mac. And now you, you get them, Shimano does them in their GRX stuff. And yeah, it's, that's actually worth talking about. Yeah. SRAM has been providing one by stuff because they came out with Force One years ago now mm. and followed it with Rival and everything. Shimano, on the other hand, took a really, really yeah. long time to come yeah. out with proper one-by stuff for drop bars because people were kind that? of people have been bodging it for years well Shimano's always been quite traditional about these things and they very much delineated mountain bike and road although even their mountain bike stuff took a long time to mm-hmm. go one by they were well behind the on that as well and yeah they they have obviously responded now to the huge rush demand, of gravel yeah. stuff and stuff well yeah demand from certainly bike manufacturers who want to spec Shimano on their gravel bikes and who want the option of one by? Because now, if you want one by Shimano, you have all of the GRX range of components. But actually, there is still no one by in their main group set hierarchy, which is interesting. Don't know if we'll see it in the next generation. We might, but I'm pretty skeptical that they're going to do it in like Juris, which we're yeah. expecting next year, most likely. So, of those, um, of those kind of. Uh, of those kind of, of those two brands, you've got SRAM and Shimano. I mean, we could be waiting a very long time from Campagnolo to probably do a one by, or could we? Well, they've do got we disc brakes yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. shifting. So, yeah. you know, what's the difference between the, the, the systems between Shimano and SRAM? Is it apples and pears? Is, are they very similar? Uh, I'm not going to say which is best because. Well, I, I mean, I guess now you've got, when you're looking at the, the, the higher end, um, SRAM's now got the 12 speed. And some of the criticisms that were leveled at at one by systems were that eleven big jumps. Effectively, you go twelve, you can reduce those jumps because you've got one extra gear to play with. So a one by twelve system. So SRAM still leading the one by revolution. I think that right. is probably fair to say, but the gap has been significantly narrowed mm. with GRX because Shimano has introduced a whole new set of gearing options with that, um, both one by and two by. It's also interesting talking about gearing is that. Um, SRAM has also changed the game a bit with the 2 by stuff and maybe made 2 by seem a bit more relevant again because their X-range gearing kind of shifted everything because when they went to 12-speed, they also moved to the XDR driver in place of a traditional free hub. That meant you could have a 10-tooth cob, so cog. Sorry, They shifted all of their gearing, so you now have smaller cranks to match cassettes that start at 10-tooth but give you better range okay. and more useful gears. So yeah, two buys definitely not dead for SRAM either. And there's still so there's still innovation in something that's been around for. Oh, there were, yeah, and it's going to it's going to continue that way. So what's yeah. next for gearing? No buy that wouldn't happen, would it? I mean, obviously we've seen ceramic speed and the 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 amazing sort of chainless or the drive, Shimano gearbox the Shimano that we've also gearbox, talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out on Bike Radar if you haven't already, and on our YouTube channel. Very and interesting. Then, you know, you've seen things like. Um, I mean, they're they're big, heavy systems at the moment. You only really see them on on urban e bikes. You've got the 
um, like a constant variable and tr- transmission rear hub where you don't have a traditional gear. It's just it, it sort of planes up through level of resistance. Now, if somebody can nail that, get it light enough and get it, you know, uh, operating smoothly, having, an, an, you know, two ends and then an infinite amount of space between, it, it does away with the whole step system and you just end mm. up with a... Smoothness. Just a, smoothness. Yeah, just a smoothness. But, Smooth but there are lots and lots of things to overcome with that, systems yeah. like that, and it's mainly weight. So. Excellent. Well, um, I, think we're, I think we've done by one by, haven't we? Uh, would that be fair to say? Before we finish, do you want to hear a conspiracy theory? Always. I have a theory that SRAM was so keen on making one by for road stuff because their double tap front shifting was never that good. <laughs> so I'm a big I really really like E-Tap I think mm-hmm. it's brilliant but I was never really convinced by one. double tap front shifting because okay. it was never as good as the front shifting on Shimano group sets not going to make me very popular with SRAM that it but. probably isn't uh, but you know but I'm actually really interested to see whether we will get another new mechanical SRAM group set because maybe we won't maybe mm. it's electronic from here from on here out on it might yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, they've, they've rolled 12 speed ETAP down yeah to another level really quickly. Mm-hmm. And and there's been no sign of a new mechanical red. Okay. So Yeah, or force. Or, Which is yeah. Yeah. seen as a, a very good group set. So conspiracy theory there. Um, be interesting to hear your other conspiracy theories on cycling, everyone. Um, keep them clean. Uh, and what do you think of one by? Do you ride one by? Have you swapped from, from traditional gearing to one by? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Have you had fun with it? Let us know. And thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much, Matthew. And thank you very much, Warren. Don't forget, if you really enjoyed this podcast, to uh, subscribe, like us, leave a comment, uh, do all of those things. And, of course, uh, visit BikeRadar.com, check out Bike Radar's YouTube channel, buy Cycling Plus and buy MBUK. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.